Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective, and it is time for a brand new week of thrilling news. What could be possibly happening? I have no idea. It could be anybody's guess. Oh, you know what? I'm going to take a wild guess and say there's still some lockdown stuff happening. Am I right? Yep, I'm right. Um, you know, I know it feels like a bit of a broken record at this point, but um, these are the moments that uh, really get me to kind of realize the inefficiencies of the mixed economy and having the government involved in every step of the process of getting something like a vaccine first developed and then from the developers over to the hands of the sick and vulnerable. <coughs> so um, uh, we're basically sitting through this drawn out process now. Uh, we've been dealing with lockdowns for, I guess it's getting close-ish to a year. Maybe it's more like eight months, nine months in. I, I'm not exactly uh, keeping count, but I remember uh, around this time last year, the world seemed like a wonderful and carefree place by comparison. And uh, here we are, we've been dealing with lockdowns and, it, it, and, I w and I'm feeling like maybe I'll just keep on wearing a mask and uh, just kind of living this way into the indefinite future. And I know that sounds like I'm kidding, but when you think about it, the uh, one of the worst aspects of this whole situation is the uncertainty about the future. For instance, I've always thought maybe I'll rent out property someday. Maybe that would be a good way to kind of have some passive income. Not, not anymore. Now that I know that a pandemic could hit, you know, something could happen. There could be some medical emergency and suddenly I've got tenants that you know, can't pay rent, won't pay rent. The government is saying they sort of don't have to, but I, it's just like too complicated. I'm living in property if I own it or else I'm selling it. That's, I think, going to probably be my mindset uh, into the future unless there's some serious changes in society. And when it comes to um, can cities survive the lockdowns, I know the restaurant industries obviously have some serious thinking to do Think about all the people that probably won't open restaurants in the future for the same reasons that I won't rent out property in the future. And um, think about all the various restaurants that I've obviously uh, had to go under in the process of this. And, um, and just this general lack of morale, the, uh, the inability to plan for the future. So I imagine on the sort of positive side, if we can call it that, um, we're going to get more efficient with food deliveries, just like we've gotten probably more efficient with Zoom meetings and stuff like that. We're probably going to stick with that into the future in various industries, Zoom meetings and various um, remote arrangements. But um, there's a lot of questions about how are the cities going to... Um, get through the rest of this lockdown and God knows how much longer it's going to happen be uh, stretching on for. And then uh, what's the future going to look like uh, any, in general? Speaking of the future, I'm here with a man who he's been called the actor of the future. He's been called the way of the future um, in the thespian arts, a uh, guy who's played everyone from Lucifer to um, the other guy in Dexter. Please welcome Mark Pellegrino. The other guy in Dexter. <laughs> I, I've heard it said. There you go. <clears throat> What's up, man? How you doing? I like the glasses. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, by the way, uh, for the audience who's concerned, I'm a little bit sick. Uh, and I like your glasses as well. I, I really ought to uh, reciprocate that compliment. Uh, I feel almost feels like looking into the mirror. But yes, uh, audience, uh, please, if you feel guilty, because I'm still a little bit sick, we do have a super chat function. You know, if you feel like it's a little bit your fault, <clears throat> I'm in this state. Uh, I don't think it's COVID, but... Uh, 
please um, super chat us and show your support. Anyway, so uh, Mark, you live in a city. I live in a city. What are we like? What, 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 any thoughts about kind of um, can cities survive the lockdowns? I think you sort of nailed it in your introduction. Uh, uncertainty is a, is a, is a very big element in how we move forward uh, or not. And I think the the powers that be are 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 contributing to the uncertainty on pretty much every level, which inspires us and incentivizes us to live only in the moment and not plan for the future, which I think is a pretty a, a pretty certain recipe for disaster. Um, I think the cities could survive the lockdowns if uh, if they rebel, if they if they go against the status quo, if they decide that there there really isn't uh, a conflict between their survival and stemming the pandemic. And the powers that be have put us in a conflict where it's uh, we, have to, we have to give up living and producing values, which is our way of living, in order to stem this, uh, this pandemic. And the two need not be mutually exclusive values that could be enmeshed together. In fact, they're reliant upon each other. We have to be free to produce um, and to create wealth in order to stem the pandemic. Otherwise, we get in this this perpetuating, self-perpetuating, vicious cycle where we become poorer and more dependent, less less uh, flexible, less adaptive, and that creates more room for disasters like this to to dominate us rather than rather than for us to use our unique human capacities to overcome the disaster. Right. Uh, this type of situation gives people a chance to say, see, pure capitalism wouldn't work. You can't have like completely unregulated industry. You got to have some government involvement. And in fact, you struggling businesses. Are you saying you're ready for a bailout? Are you ready? Are you ready for a little bit of help? And obviously, the business owners are in a position where the um, inefficiencies and even more the impediments of the mixed economy has made it very difficult for them to survive, to run their business. Um, and then they're being uh, told, well, if you want a bailout, hey, if you want to get basically get married to the government in some respect, by all means, here, take the bailout, take some money. And uh, that anyone who takes the money is basically um, said to be like sanctioning the sort of mixed economy or, or like they're admitting they can't do it alone. So it's uh, it's like an abusive relationship. You know, it's like being uh, married to like a deranged, abusive person who also who pays all the bills. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> you're better off without them. But um, they are paid like they have paid the bills. So it's like if you if, if you, you know, you see what I'm saying? If, if, you, do. don't think, if you don't think you need them, um, are you saying you don't need the light bill paid? Um, so the government uh, should be reduced down to its proper function, which is uh, arbitrating disputes and protecting rights, um, very basic protections of the rights of the individual. Uh, now, it can get a little bit difficult when it comes to an emergency like the pandemic. How exactly does the government do that? Um, and that's for legal scholars, I think, philosophers of law to answer. <laughs> and it, it may be a little bit, there may be some disagreement on how the government would handle <coughs> Uh, when it comes to people, ha how people think the government should handle a thing like the pandemic. But definitely what they have been doing is like their starting point is basically for the government to say, it's our job to tell you exactly what you're allowed to do. Um, 
and uh, once the and the, once the vaccine is devised, it's it's our place to decide um, kind of who gets it and when. And, and you uh, can, Rod, I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, you can you can you know correct me if if I'm wrong on any of these points, but it it, it seems like this nearly year long disaster should teach people this lesson that you know the government has a certain place in in our world, but it certainly doesn't have anything to do with creating values or the economic side of things. Because from my understanding of, of the crisis, you know, um, flattening the curve was originally intended to keep the hospital system from being overwhelmed. And the only reason the hospital system was inflexible in the first place is because government programs gutted it, gutted the hospitals, literally closed them, doctors were fleeing uh, the business. And so we had a short supply in the face of this huge demand and really no capacity no, because it's not a market to, to flexibly react to what was happening. Flash forward to, uh, to uh, Operation Warp Speed, which everyone touts as a government program. No, it was the elimination of government interferences was the innovation that, that enabled the private sector to step up and create a vaccine in record time, which then went to the states to distribute. And now we've noticed a massive slowdown <laughs> and, and a, a lowering of expectations on the part of uh, the Biden administration who claims we're gonna vaccine a million people, 100 million people in 100 days, which is essentially keeping up the same time frame as the Trump administration. Um, when, uh, since we've learned that vaccines are, are produced more quickly through the private sector, can't we also make the assumption that it would be distributed more quickly through Amazon, Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, private, private distributors? Um, who, who could, uh, who would, who is, it's their lives to distribute things effectively um, as opposed to politically the way they're doing now. Um, you'd think those would be the integrations people would make and we'd have a freer country today as a result, but it doesn't seem to be going that way. Right, I mean, there's no question that government uh, involvement in the medical in uh, industry economy has uh, retarded progress I mean, incalculably, we cannot contemplate. Like, imagine if the government had taken over, um, you know, technology, Silicon Valley, that whole computers, if the government basically interjected in that economy heavily and heavily regulated it. I mean, we would be lucky to have like a 1980s cell phone uh, by this time. And we, it would be very difficult to explain to people, no, in this alternate timeline, you basically have the internet in your pocket and on your wristwatch. And people say, what's the internet? Like, it was, like it's, so, it's, so, uh, it's so easy to see how uh, much an, an industry can flourish when the government doesn't impede. And that could be the medical industry. So, I mean, I've, I've always kind of looked at this pandemic like, yeah, the question is, what, how would the private sector handle this type of situation? But further, I think this type of situation would be avoided with the innovations in medical, in, you know, in medicine and cures and treatment and all these things that the private sector could have developed so quickly and um, because of the profit motive, because of the incentives in a free economy. So um, it sucks. And uh, Rosie sent me an article uh, saying Britain faces three month halfway house lockdown after Easter. This is by tel the Telegraph. Sources, source says return to full normality will be delayed for at least 12 to 14 weeks to allow all over 50s to have second vaccine dose. So like you said, this was the lockdowns were supposed to be, hey, we can't the, the hospitals can't handle all of us, you know, 
showing up at the same time. There's not enough uh, beds in the hospital. So we need to stay home for a while. That turned into nobody can leave the house until anyone over 50 um, gets their second dose of the vaccine. It's just. Um, and and has, has there ever been a time in, in American history where, aside from the revolution, uh, post-revolution, where when the when the government expands its power, it actually contracts or doesn't it, it once it expands, it kind of stays there and finds reasons to stay there. Um, and I think that this pandemic has shown the political class what it can and can't do and how willing people are to give up their freedoms um, for what they think is safety. Uh, and what frightened, what scared me more than anything uh, was seeing the media portray uh, people who who were trying to espouse and promote liberty as redneck, toothless fools. And of course, those people gave them plenty of opportunity to exploit that by walking into private st stores and saying, I don't have to wear a mask, I'm free. Um, but they never, the people who, who lampooned them never, never, never explained why that was a silly notion. They just, they, they conflated liberty with stupidity, and then pass that over on the population. And then that became a meme, social media Absolutely. meme. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you read some of Ayn Rand's nonfiction uh, on capitalism, she points out that the, the problem, like capitalism's problem is not its opponents so much as its alleged defenders. And I think the same is true with liberty at large. And And opposition to the left, I think, is another instance where we see it's like, don't worry about your enemies so much as your friends, well, like with friends like these, you know, and if I go through more cliches, uh, when we have the types of uh, people that uh, I would describe as like the, the, the Trump movement with some of the events we've seen or the anti-lockdown crowd that we've seen, um, these are not intellectuals. These are anti-intellectual activists or anti-intellectual people. They, they think liberty is about, you know, uh, uh, salt of the earth, guns, like the, the, the fact that guns, I know this is, by the way, we've already, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're alienating our British audience by downplaying um, socialized medicine. Now I'm about to piss off a lot of Americans when I say the way that guns have come to symbolize individual rights, like that's it. Like ownership of guns is the beginning and the end of your rights as an individual. I think says something very uh, unfortunate about the American mindset. The fact that property rights seem to be so dispensable that uh, people on the right, the, the, the anti-leftists, if you want to uh, conceptualize them that way, have become so either um, open to or advocating for the um, breaking up of big tech, the um, you know, uh, antitrust legislative action towards big tech, so to speak. Um, there, so when it comes to property rights, uh, we've seen the right repeatedly show that they stand for nothing. But when it comes to guns, like, no, that's a non-negotiable. So what are you even going to use your guns for when you're just begging the government to violate people's rights? I think, um, but I think, I think that comes from the same mistake the left makes. I think property is too abstract for the left or the right to really understand. But, you know, your body is a real thing in space. It, you could really tell that it's uh, separate from the rest of the world. And so you, it's easier to see that this piece of property, your body, is something to protect and defend. So the left defends it in their way with uh, pro-choice, 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What you can do with your body as you choose. And the right defends it with guns. That's how, that's how they both say, oh, your personal property and bodily self um, are beyond question yours. But property, well, that's an artifice. You know, that's something that our minds place on a world that's indivisible. We, we artificially divide it up. Um, well, they're both wrong, right? But don't, I, I see a commonality there. Am I wrong? No, I don't think you're wrong. And I mean, I've often pointed out that like the right are, is usually comprised of like former leftists. And over time, we just see every sort of new generation of Republicans and conservatives just parroting what their uh, leftist uh, elders like said. So like, I mean, basically what, what conservatives, so-called conservatives, the sort of new right is about today, they, well, they want socialized medicine or some variant of it. They want uh, nationalism. They, they're progressives of the 19, I don't know, 20s, 40s, yeah. earlier than the 20s. I mean, it's, yeah, so it's always, uh, you know, the, 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 the right picks up what the left discards. There's a poetic way to put it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree there that property is, it's, it's like too abstract for a lot of people to, to be passionate about. And certainly when property rights uh, end up looking like, you know, Twitter deleting Trump. I mean, people, they don't have time for all this property rights talk. They're just like, no, to hell with Twitter. Jack will be fine. They say Jack, you know, and he's gotten subsidies. So again, once, once subsidies are introduced, now it's very difficult to differentiate government from private citizenry. So um, once big, so-called big tech have had any uh, relationship with the government, nobody is basically sympathetic to their rights anymore, their property rights, their autonomy. So uh, when, when you have a, the right feeling like um, so-called big tech is you know, censoring free speech, they, property rights to them at that point is definitely just an abstraction and and not worth taking that seriously. So we need to um, we need to really, really get back to the fundamentals and uh, get down to what it means to live as a person on Earth, what it means to live as a human, and that it does entail inalienable rights. It does entail um, free speech, of course, on your own property, not free speech on someone else's property necessarily, unless they allow you to. Um, but free speech and free the freedom to produce and to own what you have produced. These things need to be non-negotiables. And, and there we can build on that principle. We can uh, properly um, deal with situations that arise such as the pandemic and others. Um, Hugh James in the chat room says, I guess Parler had property rights, huh? I mean, I don't know what that means. Yes, they, they do have property rights and so does Amazon and so does uh, Google and anyone else that might not want to uh, engage with Parler. You know, um, a lot of people feel, and I'm sort sort of alone in saying this. I ha I don't know how many other people I've heard. I don't think I've heard anyone else point this out. In light of the storming of the Capitol, I I completely understand a a big company feeling that giving Trump an opportunity to express himself could lead directly to violence, to the manifestation of um, uh, unbelievable action in real life. Um, and in light of what took place, if people want to get Trump completely off of social media by legal means, they have a right to do that. Um, but anyway, uh, that's obviously a bit of a bit of a tangent. Mary Aline uh, donating $5 American for my cough drops. Thank you. And the shadow blade, <laughs> uh, five either pounds or euros. I'm still a bit unclear on that. He goes, 
please do an episode shredding the NHS with data. Uh, I'm happy to uh, participate as long as we have someone that really knows that stuff. Maybe somebody with a British accent. They seem to they seem to know that stuff. And it, it, like even when I talk to like a, an objectivist audience in England, like even when I talk to them, I'm like, okay, it, can I criticize the NHS? Are you guys you guys understand? Like we're not going to be able to have the NHS where we're heading, right? Like I'm I'm afraid to even go near the topic. It it seems like such a sacred uh, symbol to so many people. Also, thank you, Ed Salinative, for the five, whatever you call those types of dollars. Is it? Does it look like an L or does it look like an E? It's like a it's like an L with an E thing running through it. It sounds like a, it looks like a maybe that's a pound. Yes. Thank you for the pounds, and. Uh, yeah, so you know it, it gets it gets pretty frustrating. Um, I, I'm I'm obviously and uh, we at the Ayn Rand Center UK are very happy to be operating on the internet. Obviously, the center with Razi as its leader has adapted wonderfully to the new situation, and uh, you know, and here's one example of people that of entities that have flourished and taken advantage of the situation, even though it was an undesirable situation. Um, and I would at, tell the audience, you know, look for ways to utilize the internet uh, until until conservatives ruin this for us. We still do have the internet, and uh, there's a lot of opportunities to make money, whether it's through marketing opportunities, um, you know, content creation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, please, you know, for I'm, for your own sake, I'm asking you, please. Um, Look for opportunities. The internet, whether or not, you know, pandemic or no pandemic, the internet does seem to be the way of the future. Uh, again, until Republicans ruin it for us, um, which I hate to say probably will happen. Good episode. Uh, Mark, um, any final thoughts or are you uh, pretty much worn out from uh, all this depression and misery <laughs> of this situation? Well, no, I think, I think we need to be free and wealthy to overcome any obstacles that confront us as human beings. And, and we do that by preserving rights and liberties. Um, that's uh, free people are the only people who can innovate and, and confront challenges. So we can't survive restraints for long. Uh, hopefully someone in the political class is listening. I hope so. And if they're not, I hope everyone else is listening and can tell those elected officials Here's how it's going to be. They do, at the end of the day, take orders from us. They do work for us. I know people, uh, you know, I was thinking about this when you talked about the powers that be, Mark. I mean, at the end of the day, we do live in an electoral system. And I know people keep saying, oh, they don't represent us anymore. They don't represent us. They do represent us. They want to get reelected. They are literally doing what exa exactly what we tell them. They might not be doing what I want them to do, but there's uh, not enough people, not enough voters that want what I want. At the end of the day, these people want to get elected. That is their business plan. That is their, that is their um, business model, get elected. So um, everyone look in the mirror, look at the man in the mirror, rest in peace, Michael Jackson. All right, enough with my uh, filibustering um, exit. Thank you, Maria, for the five pounds. See, I know my currency now. I've learned something. Thank you, everybody, for watching, for participating. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Rozzy, behind the scenes. Uh, no other broadcasts from ARC UK today, but we will be back tomorrow, same time, for the Daily Objective. Goodbye.
Isso. 